Do you remember where you were when you heard the song Sex on Fire? Can you recall how catchy that song was when you first heard it? Do you also remember the next 5,000 times it was played on the radio? I certainly can, and it is the focus of today's episode of Retro Reviews with this record turning 15 years old this year. What? And yes, it has been that long. Hi people and hello my Chili Con Carnage crew, it's Chili here for a retro review of Kings of Leon, only by the night. Wall Street journalist Peggy Noonan once said that TV gives a million people an image, but radio portrays a million different images in a million different minds. This certainly seems to be true with the hugely successful song Sex on Fire and the focus of today's episode, of course, on Kings of Leon and their 2008 album only by the night. Never underestimate the power of radio, as it has the ability to make or break musicians. Of course, one of the other powers it has is to flog a good song to death so much that its mere presence becomes an irritating white noise akin to fingernails on a chalkboard, and unfortunately Sex on Fire would be another casualty of this death by 1000 lashes. To understand what I mean, take a look at the most recent example I can think of with Tones and I and her song Dance Monkey. It was a great song until I heard it 7 times a day on a radio for a month straight, then I never wanted to hear it again. Sex on Fire was the dance monkey of 2008 when it came out, and oh boy did this mule get dragged out into the sun. In hindsight, it's easy to see the success that this album brought to the band and its resonance that was felt globally. However, in researching this episode, I found it quite interesting to hear that this album actually had a breakthrough in England before their home country of America. So let's go into this album. This album would give rise to five singles, which is nearly half the album. Unlike other albums with extremely famous songs on them that have been overplayed so much that you do not want to hear those songs anymore, such as Green Day's Boulevard Broken Dreams, Only By The Night has two singles that were so overwhelmingly exploited by radio stations that they have become unbearable in hindsight, and no, you can't convince me otherwise. Luckily, the two tracks are one after the other on the album, so with a well-timed skip, you can avoid this issue. The first single was, of course, Sex on Fire, which would take the world by storm and become the unofficial anthem of the year. You all know the song by now, so I don't think I need to explain it too much, but just to clarify, no, it is not about an STD. Actually, there's not much backstory to this song. Apparently, it was written after a lover of Caleb's, however, he was pretty high on painkillers at the time of writing it and can't recall who it was. By other various accounts, it also appears to have been a throwaway line the band would sing during the making of this album and ended up becoming the song it is now. It would be featured on a few TV shows and of course made its way into Guitar Hero 5. The next single was Use Somebody which was also pumped by every radio station at the time by my memory. You just couldn't escape this duo of tunes and as the songs do back into one another it's almost impossible not to play one without the other. Ironically Caleb has stated that this song is about wanting to cuddle someone when on the road which serves as a star comparison to their first single. Oddly enough this song was the band's first top 40 entry in their home country, as the album and the singles lag behind in the US market compared to the UK where the band made their breakthrough as mentioned before. This was aided by a live performance of the song at the 2009 MTV Movie Awards Ceremony. It would eventually become a number one song in the pop songs 
mainstream top 40 alternative songs AAA and the adult contemporary charts, which is the first time a song had done so since Green Day's Boulevard of Broken Dreams. The next single was Revelry, and I gotta say straight up, I love this tune. It's like this southern rock meets pop tune that has a really great chill tone to it, and of course this nice guitar twang throughout its runtime. This is the perfect song to play next to a campfire late in the evening after a few too many drinks. And don't lie, that's the way you want to hear it the next time you hear this song. God knows I do. Notion would be the following single, and I recall its release towards the end of the album cycle in the Zeitgeist. It's a solid song that was the fastest to write during the recording process, with the band pretty much nailing it in one take. The song is also ironic for reasons that will come up later in this, but it's about pushing back on anyone who says anything negative about the band. The last single for the album would be Crawl, with its dirtier sounding effort compared to the rest of this album, with an extremely fuzz effect driven bassline driving this song home. In my home country Australia, this song would be number 70 in Triple J's Top 100 Songs of 2008, which was one of four songs from Kings of Leon to appear on that list. Of course, Sex on Fire made it to the number one slot. With so many singles emerging from this album, can there really be any deep cuts? Surely we have sucked this album dry if anything else. Well, actually there are a few deep cuts on here with one very prominent song, which is the first one I'll mention, and that is Manhattan. This song was technically a single as well, that was released in Australia and I believe it enjoyed a little bit of success in England, but for all intents and purposes we will consider this a deep cut. The tune, like a few other songs off this record, is a polished poppy tune with a southern rock undertone to it and it is a bit slower paced. I have to give a shout out to the guitar solo towards the end as well that just carries this tune on with a soulful sound. It's a really blissful song really. Another song I feel that is noteworthy is the tune 17, which is a melodic slow burner of a track with a curious riff to it. Lastly I want to mention Be Somebody, which almost seems to be the counterpoint to Use Somebody and is a fantastic driving song with a great bass line section throughout the tune and has a great build up at the crescendo towards the end of the track. Also to note, the album's opener song ironically called Closer, but pronounced Closer, seems to be a bit of a fan favourite, so I feel that it at least should have a mention on this part of the deep cuts, even if it didn't really leave an impact on me. Yeah, this album was flogged to death at its release, but it's still a charmer. The album became one of the biggest selling records of that year, with 6 million copies being sold and a few songs that would become karaoke staples. Believe me, I can attest to that. So the world really seemed to be in the palm of their hands, but as we can tell from history, this is not the case, and many would point to one particular event in the band's history, which we will discuss shortly, but I don't think it's the only reason the band saw a drop in popularity. Only by the night saw the band in a bit of an identity crisis with new and old fans. You see, this was the band's fourth album, and with the prior three records they put out, they were vastly different in sound compared to them. The first two records, Youth and Young Manhood and Aha Heartbreak, were mostly based around a southern rock sound, and the band built up a pretty dedicated fan base with many hits from these records, even appearing in certain films and TV shows. Before the band released Only By The Night, they were clearly a band that were about to break through and make it big. It was also a time in the band's career when they were 
freed from their shackles of their past sounds and able to do their own thing, which is why the record and the band aimed for a bit more of a pop-orientated sound and shied away from their southern rock roots. Many other musicians would come forward criticising their music or accusing the band of selling out, in particular with My Morning Jacket's Jim James and Liam Gallagher. In fact, according to interviews with the band members, they can't even stand their first two albums and find them cringeworthy in hindsight, and state that because of the times is what they considered to be the band's first real album. And when you look over their catalogue, Because of the Times really serves as that stepping stone between their early career to a more polished sound found on Only By The Night. It would be one fateful event in 2009, however, that saw the Kings of Leon receiving their not-so-welcome reception at the Reading Festival that they were headlining that many would criticise the moment that broke the band. And I would say that this is partially true, but I feel it's rather a culmination of their past events that led to this moment standing out in the band's history. Kings of Leon would perform a 20 song set at the festival, and of course two of the tracks were from their recent album, with Sex on Fire being midway through the set, and Use Somebody was going to be the second last track they would perform. Most of the people in attendance were only familiar with Only By The Night, and so weren't too enthralled by the set list, which included mostly songs from their past. With this lukewarm response from the crowd, Caleb would go on to say the following to them. We know you're sick of Kings of Leon. We're fucking sick of Kings of Leon too. But we get up here every night and I thank God for everything I've had. So for all those who don't give a fuck about us, I understand. But we've worked so hard to be here. We're the goddamn Kings of Leon. So fuck you. They would end the concert by destroying their equipment and walking off the stage. The band would take to Twitter after the concert and double down on the events by tweeting the following. Reading. What the fuck? Zero love for the kings. I know it was cold, but holy shit, y'all were frozen. I can only hope that Leeds is in better form. When the band would appear at Leeds Festival a few days later, Caleb would say to the crowd with the following. We're only five songs in, and you've already blown reading to hell. This is for all the people who didn't come for two songs. Caleb would do an interview that year with BBC, and go on to apologise for his behaviour on the night. Now obviously, this was terrible PR for the band that had just had a massive impact on the scene. But in Truth, there was a lot more brewing behind the scenes as the band had been living the rock and roll lifestyle of excess and would drink heavily, with Caleb even needing steroids to perform vocal duties due to the damage from the alcohol abuse on his throat. This coupled with the stress of writing an album that saw a departure from their previous sound and losing some old fans while being criticised by highly influential musicians in the public would have caused a myriad of the reasons why the band would see the highly stressful times in their career. But many bands have faced similar issues before in the past and overcome it all by shutting up critics with a solid follow-up album. So how does their next record come around sundown go and does it do just that? No, in fact it did the opposite. The album was extremely subpar and was received with a very lukewarm response, only selling a third of the record sales they were seen on Only On The Night, while getting some average reviews from the music press. To top it off, the recording process of this album saw the band in turmoil, as they pretty much zoned out for this effort. Caleb has stated that he pretty much zoned out all the way through the making of this record, and it sounds like from the band camp it was a total chore to produce. When making music isn't fun anymore, this is a big red flag for any band. 
It also wasn't helped by the fact that the band were at each other's throats and when they went on tour they were in separate buses from each other and performing the same set list for a three year period. Caleb's struggles with alcohol around this time also peaked and even saw him walk off stage during a performance and the band had to retire early from that gig. Caleb would enter rehab and stay sober and the band would eventually proceed to move forward but not with the same energy and success as earlier. To the band's testament, their follow-up albums after this are actually pretty decent, even with their last effort 2021's When You See Yourself being a pretty solid record. And the group have gone on to become one of the hardest touring groups in the scene, and they have even stuck together throughout all these years, with no lineup changes at all. It is unfortunate that such a group suffered from the pressures of success and did not overcome them. Instead, the band's name has a little bit of mud to it, which has taken a few years to clear off. And to me at least, they could have been as big as the Foo Fighters had they been able to successfully ride that wave. Kings of Leon received mostly positive reviews for Only By The Night, with AllMusic giving a score of 3 out of 5, The AV Club giving a score of a B-, Entertainment Weekly giving B+, The Guardian giving a 3 out of 5, Los Angeles Times giving it a 2.5 out of 4, NME giving it 7 out of 10, Q giving a 4 out of 5, Spin giving a 4 out of 5, Rolling Stone giving a 3 out of 5, and Pitchfork giving a 3.8 out of 10. Over at Rachel Music, the album sits with a score of 3.1 from nearly 5,000 votes, and overall I would give this album a score of 9 million chilies on the spicy scale, with my favourite songs being Manhattan, Revelry, and Be Somebody. There is no doubt that this was the album that made the band a household name, perhaps begrudgingly to the band and their fans that have been there since the early days. As much as I would like to blame the English for its rampant success, I think it was bound to happen regardless. Too many of the tracks on this record were just earworms that latched onto your brain and stayed there. This band were clearly on a creative spree and knew how to write songs in this era of their career. This despite the fact that they were going through a haze of painkillers, alcohol and an identity crisis, but usually these factors aid musicians in their writing rather than hamper them. The history of music is loitered with such incidents and it is better for it. Artists tend to thrive under the pressures and Kings of Leon were no different, at least on this record. This album might have branded them as sellouts, and it's up to you whether this to be true or not. But personally, I think the term sellout gets thrown around so often that it's lost all meaning, and given today's music scene, then who are you to really care? Despite your thoughts on this record, compared to the rest of the band's discography and the incident at the Reading Festival, it would be disingenuous of me not to mention at least their most recent efforts again, which aren't too bad. It seems like the band took a few years to get that ego in check, and get sober in some circumstances, but they seem to be in a better space now than where they were in 2008. Regardless, this album will always be remembered as one of their finest hours, and I think it is worthy of this praise. Thank you for checking out this episode of Retro Reviews. Make sure you smash that like button check out this channel subscribe if you can and get notified for all upcoming videos once again you have a great day make sure you stay spicy out there thank you for tuning in to this episode of live listener race and if you have enjoyed this episode make sure you share it with all your friends don't forget to subscribe to our chili con carnage crew so you can get notified for all the future videos that we put out as we put out videos every friday also, we are on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter over at Live Listener Race, so make sure to tune in over there. And don't forget to like this video so that our manager can stay very happy.